Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. We went to 17 and a half percent. Let me know if you ever come across a good deal and I just tell them, okay, <laughs> I'll add you to the list of a hundred other people that have ever mentioned that before. I think 90s were one of the I'll use the word commons yeah, real estate. It sounds like a lovely time. It, it, was a lovely, <laughs> it was a lovely time in real estate. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Okay, this is episode 140. I am interviewing my managing broker, Connie Kyle, solo without Katie today, because Katie is still struggling with her back issues. And so it's just me and you, Connie. Okay, sounds great. Whenever I told Katie that I wanted to do an episode talking about recessions, not just Katie, but a lot of people that I mentioned it to were like, why the market is so good right now, everything is booming. There are some people who feel like this is the new normal. I have always been known as being very conservative, but when I thought about who I should talk to about this, because I've only been in the business 12 years, and I started right when we were recovering, everything was good after the 2008-2007 recession. So I never have been through anything like it, but it's one of my biggest fears. So I thought I'm gonna bring Connie in because Connie is a wealth of knowledge and has been in the business for how long? 44 years. Wow. So you have worked through several seasons, several different markets. Lots of different markets. What kind of, um, like in the past, what kind of recessions have you worked through? What did those look like? Well, first of all, I think historically they've recorded six recessions during that 44 years. Um, For me personally and for the real estate industry, I think three of them have a greater impact in terms of what I remember and how it affected our industry. Right. And I think the first one, I started in 1978. At that time, that's when we had the energy crisis, uh, high oil prices. That was taking place the end of 19. into the 70s. Okay. So we started out the beginning of the 80s with a recession and a short one and then a longer one. Uh, to me, it felt like I went through a recession the whole time I was in the 80s. Yeah. So let's talk about that one first. Okay. Um, and you're a new agent at this point? I what was are you a doing? fairly new agent. Yes. Okay. So uh, you started at a hard time. When I started in real estate, the interest rate was eight and a half percent. Okay. That was the starting rate. Savings and loans were a big lender for buying homes. Okay. So what happened is inflation was getting really high. And in order to curb the inflation, the government said, let's tighten money. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, we've got to raise the interest rate. 
So for the 80s, um, unlike most of our listeners, and there are going to be some of our listeners out there today that are going to relate to this, we went to 17.5% interest. <gasps> Oh my God. In what time frame? Um, you know, I was trying a to few think back. Years? Yeah, it was it was a couple of year period. So it didn't just jump from eight and a half to 17 and a half. It was a gradual. So I'm going to say one of the biggest learning experiences during that time was how were you going to sell real estate? Yeah. Uh, creative financing was probably one of the most important things that we had to be able to do in order to sell. And when you've got the recession, you've got the loss of jobs, you've got the loss of business, uh, real income goes down. So you're dealing with all of those factors, a larger supply of homes, more time on the market. In the 80s, unlike today, banks were real estate companies. 30, banks? Banks. 35% oh. of the inventory was held by banks. That made them the largest real estate company out there. Because of foreclosures? Foreclosures uh, and repossessions, yes. So they held 35% of the 35%. Inventory. That is just... One of the biggest <sighs> markets was agents that had connections with one of the lending institutions and they marketed all of their properties. Yes. So the agents that were listing the foreclosures were doing pretty well, yes. considering, because yes. that's what there was the most yes. of. Uh, and now I have investors that are wanting foreclosures. And at this time, when I do a search, there's not many, if any. And when they do come up, they are not priced competitively. Probably I mean, not. they're not priced below yeah. market value to get right. a deal. So that's been kind of interesting also. Well, I think one of the misconceptions in our industry is that the public uh, tends to think that if it is a repossession of foreclosure, that it's going to be a better price. That's not necessarily true. Things sell at market value. So if you get a better price, if you want to think of a better price, it's probably got some deficiencies that have to be taken care of to get it up to market value. That likely costs that much. That likely costs that much. So I always think in terms of property sell at market value, whether that has to do with condition, location. I think deals are often misused in our industry, the word deal. Yes, I would agree with that. I always have people say, let me know if you ever come across a good deal. Yes. And I just tell them, okay, <laughs> I'll add you to the list of a hundred other people that have ever mentioned that before. Um, so yes, that is true. Um, so more about the 80s. Okay. You were struggling to get started in your career. Were you working on foreclosures? What kind of things were you doing? I did not do a lot of foreclosures. I think probably the part that I remember the most about the 80s, because I was a very active uh, agent myself, mm -hmm. uh, sold more property then. Uh, one of my highest years was in wow. the 80s. Uh, I think more importantly was uh, the creative financing. Right now, most of the agents, fairly newer agents, are not even familiar with discount points mm -hmm. or how they're effectively used. Right. In that market, discount points were paid by the seller in order to reduce the interest rate so someone could afford to buy a home. Uh, another thing that we don't see today that was very prominent in the 80s were foreclosed, I mean, uh, assumptions. Okay. We don't even think today in terms of ever going out and assuming a loan. Right. But when you're looking at 17.5% interest and you can assume an 8% loan, it has a great value. So were people just renting more? Uh, no, I'm going to tell you through all of the markets, people are always buying and selling. That's good. Uh, 
So for that's an encouragement for anybody that's out there in terms of, are we headed toward a recession? Uh, my message to them is that people are always gonna buy and sell, maybe not at the same rate, but there are going to, there's going to be activity in our market. It's not going to just totally shut down. When did you start seeing the light from the 80s? When did uh, things start improving? I'm going to say the end of the 80s, the beginning of the 90s. Um, I think I've shared with you before, 90s was probably one of the smoothest times in real estate. Mm -hmm. It was just a steady increase. Uh, not a lot of things going on that disrupted the market. Um, you were able to kind of predict where you were going and what was going to happen. When you've got recessions, particularly in any type of market, it's kind of like playing dominoes. And if you line those dominoes up and you click one of them over, they're all going to fall down. Mm -hmm. So everything is so intertwined that when you've got inflation and then you add interest rates or you add other things from the economy, it all affects and then everything kind of collapses together. One of the things I'll also point out about uh, recessions is that a recession is for a period of time. Yes. However, when that period of time is over, it doesn't necessarily mean that the impact of the recession is over. Yeah. So you've still got some recovery time. And that's the reason why I think for the interest rates or whatever houses staying in the market, all of those things are kind of the aftermath of a recession. How long do you feel like once things settled that it took for a recovery period, like a year or two? to just I'd say a maximum of two years. Okay. Probably a maximum of two years. And then it was smooth sailing through the 90s. The 90s were smooth. Okay. Uh, I think 90s were one of the uh, calmest, I'll use the word calmest, yeah, real estate. Yeah, sounds like a lovely time. It, it, was a lovely, <laughs> it was a lovely time in real estate. Especially when you said you felt like things could be predicted, you could look at trends. I am saying more now than I ever have before to my buyers and sellers. If I had a crystal ball, I would be able to answer your question. Right. Unfortunately, I have no way of knowing at this time what the market is going to do and then even in the near future. I don't know what the end of this year is going to look like. Next year, especially two years from now, I'm just not sure how it will all play out. So I think it that's a big thing too, is that in the past recessions, they have followed a predictable economic cycle right. that, okay, well, this is what happens and this is how long it takes. Whereas now it seems like we're experiencing something that the agents that I have spoken to that have been in the business for decades are saying, we've never seen anything like this. Well, the three significant recessions that I speak of, each one is different. Okay. Each one is different. So the, the 80s was totally different. Okay. Um, and then I think the next uh, recession, mm -hmm. if we want to talk about, really is the 2007 to 2010. That is considered the Great Recession, by the way. Wow. Uh, and the Great Recession, uh, and there are a number of listeners out there today that are probably, or were probably in the business at that time. You said you came in right after that. Right after. Um, but that was the subprime, the fall of the subprime mortgage, so to speak. So I think if you go back in history, prior to the subprime and all that, you had the bubble, okay? Uh, you often speak of the real estate bubble. Fortunately for us in the Baton Rouge community, the bubble wasn't as great as it was in other, I'll say, uh, stronger markets, so to speak. So okay. if you think in terms of 
Miami or Tucson or New York or Chicago, San Francisco, the, the bigger market areas, those bubbles just got bigger and bigger. And yeah. it's just like uh, you can blow up a balloon. Uh, you can have bubble gum in your mouth and blow a bubble, but it's sometime it's going to pop. Yeah. So I think that was a warning sign. You know, I often tell the agents, you can only climb so high to the top of the mountain, but when you get there, it, you got to come down. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with the bubble. The bubble got so big and when it burst and then you had the subprime mortgages, that caused the collapse of the banking system. Okay. So the bubble was before 2007. Yes. Leading up to that. Leading up to it. Mm -hmm. And for us in our market and what I really saw, uh, 2005 was Katrina. I was going to say, yeah. we were going through Katrina. Yeah. And for those not familiar, Katrina came through Hurricane Katrina and devastated New Orleans. And yes. we had New Orleanians coming to the outside marketplaces, including Baton Rouge, and paying whatever they could to secure housing. Yeah. And I think one of the important uh, factors to remember about that time, in my opinion, when Katrina hit, we were at the top of the market. Okay. For us right here in Baton Rouge, we had a lot of supply on the ground. Uh, new construction was kind of at the, the top. Um, you could just feel that it couldn't hold out. Well, then Katrina <gasps> took place. And to a certain extent, Katrina salvaged the real estate industry at that 2005 because there was no property. It was grabbed up in a hurry. Yeah. And yes, prices went up. So we were saved at that time. In addition to that, we never got as, uh, the bubble never got as big for us as it did in other markets. Mm -hmm. And also during that time is when the Dodd-Frank bill was implemented, enacted. Okay. Um, it really tightened the reins on financial industries, uh, the banks, the lending institutions. That's also when we bailed the banks out and we bailed the auto industry out. Wow. So those were the big things. Um, during that recession, like today, agents are scrambling to find a piece of property. If yes. it stays on the market a day or yes. a week, whatever. Back then we had a year, two year supply, particularly in the luxury end properties. It was not unusual to have two year, two years supply of property. I think even it was one of the agents in our office that said that worked through Katrina and the bubble said, if you looked in our MLS before Katrina, the amount of luxury properties was very rare. If there was a transaction over a million dollars in mm -hmm. our marketplace, it was very rare. After Katrina, much more common. You right. know, people started really eating up any house, luxury homes, whatever it would be. It's also interesting because Katie has told me before that she started around this time. So as a new During agent, the great recession, um, Katrina time frame. Okay. So leading up to that, all right. But so right before that, she started and she was on phone duty, getting calls of, "I want to write an offer on this house. I want." And she was like, "Oh my gosh, okay." And so I kind of wondered too, when you do have a spike in demand and there's new agents. I mean, you are the manager of our office, so you are constantly meeting with new agents, training them, seeing how long they last, if they're a good fit, if they're made for this. What are you seeing then versus now, just new agents getting in at a time that is very lucrative? There's a lot of, well, it's hard because 
I guess that they're, they may or may not be getting listings because there is low inventory, mm -hmm. but what are you seeing as far as new agents coming in at a time when seasoned agents would say the market is good? Um, well, I think agents have changed over the years. Yes. Okay. I've seen that um, even since when I started. Yeah. And I think, um, unfortunately, in my opinion, COVID has made even a greater change. Mm -hmm. Um, COVID created a time when uh, going to the office, uh, some of the camaraderie, the relationships that we had are, do not seem to play the same role that they did earlier. Right. Uh, and we both know that real estate is about relationships. Yeah. You've got to build the relationships. So, and, and not just with your clients, but with your fellow agents. With the fellow agents. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lack of, of relationship building with the agents. And I think also because of COVID, uh, so many companies, the training has gone, maybe not be quite as strong as it would have been because you don't have the agents in, uh, people are afraid to get out. So you had all these factors playing in. Yeah, things are so much more virtual right now. And I think that the newer agents, uh, I hate to say they kind of got left behind, but I don't think maybe they, they got as much handholding and mentoring as they would have had at an earlier time in their career, at right. a different time in their career. So maybe less quality training just due to virtual, you know, there's yeah. there's only so much that you can really pay attention and feel yeah. like you're learning. Yeah. But that combined with a huge influx of new agents right. because of COVID, people are leaving their corporate jobs. Now is the time to try to get into real estate, did you see a big influx of newer agents? I think there was a big influence across the market everywhere. Um, and I think it's several reasons. One, the loss of jobs. We are an easy industry to get into. Yes. Uh, we're time-wise, it takes very little time to get in. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get through school in a month and get started. Um, and I think the world, I'll say the world or the market out there perceives us one way when we're really a different way. Mm -hmm. I think we're often looked at as part-timers, uh, easy money, fast money. And that is so untrue for those that are really career oriented yes. and the way this business really goes. So I think their expectations were totally unrealistic. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think oftentimes they're they're grasping at straws to find something to bring income in and people say, oh, we'll do real estate. So I think you have a lot of people getting into the market that uh, are not suited. Sure. And I've never had, I will say since 2020, I have never had so many past clients reach out to me to say, I think I want to get into real estate. Yeah. It looks so fun. It looks so easy. And I, I also don't think people realize how that makes us feel to hear that. Yeah. You know, we, we're like, well, it's actually a lot of hard work. Yeah. And they don't always see that until they quickly get licensed and say, well, that was easy. Yeah. And then it's, oh, wait, now yeah. I'm licensed. Now what? Yeah. What do I do? And then, you know, just through conversations of trying to help those people, if if they were, did get into our marketplace and then I got to see them quickly exit and go back to some sort of corporate job where they felt more secure, they felt safer. Um, so I've seen it too. And I know as a manager, you've definitely seen it. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things is so many people function really well in a very structured 
industry. Yes. We are not a structured in industry. So you, you've got to realize that people that do this are more self-disciplined, mm -hmm. uh, highly motivated, mm -hmm. make themselves get up and go to work. Uh, they understand they've got to create the business. Mm -hmm. The business isn't going to come to them. Right. So uh, no that's one's calling you at 9 a.m. to say, hey, why aren't you in the <laughs> office today? Where are you? And, and also in just a normal market, uh, eight out of 10 people that join a real estate company today will not be in it two years from now. Yeah. So that's in a normal market. So then you take a market that's kind of out of whack a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, that time frame is even shorter. I would like to go back to the recession yes. of the Great Recession. Okay, in 2007. 2007 to 2010 is okay. kind of the time frame. A couple of things happened there that I think were really different. Uh, it was the, the big introduction of what we call short sales. Okay. We had a lot of foreclosures and all in the 80s, but we really didn't deal with what so many of people dealt with in the short sales. Mm -hmm. I had realtor friends across the nation, 60% of their business was short sales. Wow. Short sales generally take a minimum of six months to two years to close out. I can remember, remember you telling me, short sales does not mean they are short. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so I think that was one of the big uh, things that was a challenge. Um, and the, the thing that made it such a challenge is that you're not dealing with one lender. Every time you dealt with a lender or a different lender, their procedure was totally different. So for agents, they were totally challenged to know, well, this lender did this, but now this lender is gonna do this. So every transaction was handled a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I remember uh, particularly about the Great Recession was rentals. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're used to marketing property within six months, and now you're talking a year or longer, most sellers could not sustain that kind of pressure on income. Yeah. So we kind of entered into the rental industry at that time. As so, a company? As a company, because okay. uh, we had so many sellers that were hurting that really needed some type of relief. So for us to put a renter in, help them get through some tough times, in addition to that, and what a, a agents may not be aware of, but if those houses sit vacant, they lose insurance. Yeah. So um, that you had the insurance component along with that. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that you mentioned when I was doing some research just about recessions in general and the real estate side and the investor side. And I read a, I came across an article that said something that people don't take into account is the humanity, emotional side of this. Mm -hmm. And when we do go into a recession, people are put into situations that affect their family yeah. for generations, you know, just depending on how much they're affected financially. Yeah. Well, historically, re recessions are preceded by inflation. Okay. okay. Uh, and obviously, we're in a 40-year high. We kind of go back to the 80s in terms of inflation right now. Mm -hmm. I, I think what we tend to forget is that even though there's been an increase in wages, particularly in the last two years, the inflation is greater than the increase in wages. Yes. So what it means <laughs> is that a, a normal household, they may have a fixed rate on their mortgage or a fixed rate on the car, but the groceries, the gas, uh, 
Everything else you're doing costs more. So that discretionary income is not going to go like it did before. Mm -hmm. So now their debt structure increases. I was actually just talking to a really good friend of mine who told me that her boss announced that they were going to be giving her department a 3% raise. And she said, well, that's only a third of the increase of what everything has yeah. become to cost. Yeah. And so how are, I can't even imagine how employers are keeping up with this. And of course, we all know that in a period like that, lower income uh, earners are hurt more drastically because yes. it takes more of their income to even try to maintain their standard of living. And that's why the standard of living often gets lower. Mm -hmm. Whenever um, I saw a statistic that said during the Great Recession in okay. 2007 through 2010, at the beginning, they did a January to March in 2007, the average home price was $322,000. Okay. January to March, two years later in 2009, was $257,000. So that hurts. I mean, that's a big gap yes. in, in a short time. And not only that, but in 2007, there was about 150,000 foreclosures. And by 2009, there was 350,000 foreclosures. Quickly. Quickly. That's yes. what I couldn't get over is we're not talking about a five to eight year span. I mean, yeah. this was a very quick jump that if you aren't, if your income, you know, incomes weren't jumping. No, they weren't jumping. And when you have those foreclosures, if you have one foreclosure in a neighborhood, not much impact. Right. But you start having a number of foreclosures in a neighborhood. Well, that's going to bring the value down. Yeah, and that's new market value. It's new market value. That's right. And those are the comps that the appraisers will start using. I can remember... There, when I first started in 2011, there were still a healthy amount of foreclosures. And I can remember sellers disputing appraisals saying, well, they use this foreclosure as a comp. And the appraiser said, but three out of the six recent sales were foreclosures. Right. So I had to use at least one of them as a comp. Um, so yeah, it definitely affected the neighborhood. But when you go back to the Great Recession mm -hmm. and you talk about the foreclosures, um, it is easier to deal with the foreclosure and deal directly with that bank because they now own that property. Mm -hmm. So at least you've got somebody you're going to that owns it. When you're dealing with those short sales, mm. you're dealing with the owner still in the house and trying to negotiate to for the lender to come down uh, so that's a totally different type of transaction as yeah. a realtor that you're having to handle because generally on a foreclosure, you know, you're going to make the sale and within 30, 45 days, it's going to close. That's not true on a short sale. Right. And if that's your primary source of business during right. a time like the Great Recession, yeah. you're looking at at least six to eight months, maybe longer before you get a paycheck yeah. on that transaction that probably isn't even worth that much. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Katie. What do we mention almost every episode? Email templates. You're right. We sure do. <laughs> and after every time we mention an email template, do you know what we get? Emails asking if they can have <laughs> copies of the email template. Can you send me a copy of that template? I've sure. never had one like that. That sounds great. And you know what the good news is? What? You can get all of our email templates from our course, Email Templates 101. Tell the people about it. 
Our course has all of the email templates you would need to send to your buyers and your sellers and your clients that are buying and selling at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> to get through every step of the transaction and giving them information that they need for where they are in the transaction. It's great because you never forget to tell them something. Yes, and we've already done all the work for you. Yeah. We wrote them and yeah. you can personalize them. Yes. And just feel organized knowing that you have all the information where it needs to be. And if you purchase Email Templates 101, you do get lifetime access. So occasionally we like to go in and make updates based on the market or if we find a new best practice. So we put that right into the template and you get that updated straight away. It just goes straight to your course. Yep. Right, it's, it's just there. It's, it's just already there. in there. It's just already there. in there. You don't even have to worry about it. We'll That's send wonderful. you an email and we'll say updated. That's great. Where can they find these email templates? You can find the email templates at email templates with an s 101.com email templates 101.com yes head over for reviews and all of the specifics wonderful okay enjoy and I, i'll go back to the 80s when the, the banks owned 35 percent of the inventory um it was a little bit like relocation we all know that if you're trying to work a relocation property and you're dealing on a friday afternoon you may not get an answer to monday yeah when you were dealing with the banks, bankers work Monday through Friday. Yep. They don't work on the weekends. Mm -mm. Then most of the time they had one person in charge of that account and there was a certain value they could take. But if a, something came in below that value, they had to wait until the team met. So the time frame was way off from what we think in terms of time is of the essence, keep it going. Well, we were delayed quite a bit trying to get answers. It's not a very efficient process. It is If not. you're trying to offload some houses and, and keep right. things going. So going through the Great Recession, okay, you feel like it kind of ended in 2010-ish and started recovering? Right. Okay. You started moving, moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. okay. What were in interest rates during that time? Were they anything notable or that wasn't really a big part of it. I don't remember the interest rates having that great an impact on anything. Mm -hmm. The only time the interest rates really come up in my mind is going back to the 80s. Right. I would I would think so. It seems like, I mean, I, just the 10 years I've been here, they've been somewhat stable. Yeah. And remember in the 80s, we had fixed rate mortgages and a lot of them were done by the savings and loans. Mm -hmm. At that time, they came out and said, there'll never be a fixed rate mortgage again. Mm -hmm. So that was supposed to be the end of fixed rate mortgages. Not only was it not the end, but then we'd come back in today's market and we went as low as two and a half percent fixed rate mortgage. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Which is uh, phenomenal. Yeah. It's just absolutely unbelievable that we can be in that kind of market. I can't believe it. So we've been through the 80s. Okay. We went, we did kind of pretty smooth sailing through the 90s. Okay. Made it to... 2005 to 2007 to 2010, where we had the bubble and then entered the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. I entered the market at that point. So in my perspective, it's been fairly stable. I think it has been. Yeah. So pretty stable, really, until COVID hit in 2020. Yeah. COVID is considered the latest recession, so to speak. Totally, totally different. Uh, the indicators weren't there. There wasn't anything really there. Uh, you know, I think to a certain extent, everybody was taken by surprise. And if I remember the numbers that I looked at, it was like um, 24 million people lost jobs in three weeks. Wow. That was unheard of, absolutely unheard of. 
Um, I think when COVID hit and the world shut down, so to speak, I think to a certain extent, I know I did. I thought, oh my gosh, Here what, we go. is, what is this year going to look like? We're not going to be able to sell property. Uh, the world, the world's coming to an end, yep. so to speak. Yep. Uh, the resilience of the real estate market was astounding. I couldn't um, believe it either. To grab a hold of uh, videos, virtual, uh, whatever means they had mm -hmm. to make things work uh, was just unbelievable. I know. We went from really making sure a buyer drove by a home and made sure they liked the neighborhood and the commute before we even made an appointment to go inside, dealing with quickly getting comfortable with video with your clients to do video tours. Every listing had to have a virtual tour to even be considered because I know for me personally, before I left the house, because I was also dealing with not having any childcare help because schools were closed. And so if I'm gonna leave the house, we're going to make sure your pre-approval letter is solid. You have driven by the neighborhood. We have seen a virtual tour. You're all but ready to write an offer before we're going to That's go right. see that house. And I actually felt like I learned a lot too in that, you know, I had I can remember the first buyer in 2020 after the world shut down that sent me seven houses they wanted to see. And they were kind of all over the place. And I said, listen, we cannot go into all seven of these homes. I need you to do some research before we make appointments. I want to make sure that you have driven by, you've timed the commute from your work. The things that you told me were important to you, I want to make sure they're done before we go in the homes. So he did. He took his him and his wife, went and just drove around, looked, and it narrowed it down to three. And I thought that saved me time. It saved him time. Mm -hmm. It saved the seller's time. I thought this might be my new form of practice forever, just to make sure that people are serious before we make appointments. But I agree, whenever people were losing their jobs, all of a sudden labor and building costs started increasing. And I thought, well, this might be my first recession coming without any announcement. It just is here. And I don't know what my business is going to look like. Me and my husband were having to have discussion about what would happen if my business slowed down significantly, re-looking at finances, making sure everything was good to go. Um, but then, you know, after a few months, all of a sudden it was just madness, unlike anything I had ever seen. What did you experience on your end? Um, I think first and foremost, I think from a company standpoint, uh, enhancing everything we had that had to do with Zoom meetings, uh, virtual training, uh, Authenticide, every, everything that would make life easier for an agent and for the consumer so that we could do uh, more transactions apart, so to speak. Right. So I think uh, first and foremost, and we were very fortunate as a company because we had just implemented probably a year, year and a half prior to that, uh, automated system for all transactions. Mm -hmm. And our agents were able to scan documents and we didn't have to be in person, so mm -hmm. to speak. So that was a, a great saver for us. Uh, we did an about face in terms of training, mm -hmm. started doing virtual training on Zoom and Today, we have an, 
exhausting library <laughs> we of do. training material that is available <laughs> for all of our agents. So I think those were some good things that came out of it. Mm -hmm. I think from another standpoint, I think consumers got a better idea of what was important to them. Yeah. Uh, I think COVID was taxing on all of us. And I think people had time to sit back and think about what was really important in a home. And I think some of them realized they didn't have what they needed. Maybe some of them had more than what they needed, but I think that drove the demand. Uh, and I think the other thing that continues to drive our uh, demand right now is historically the baby boomers have been the biggest market that has ever existed. Mm -hmm. Continues to be a big influence on the market even today, but millennials will take over. Mm -hmm. They are, they are going, yeah, they are going to be and are bigger than the baby boomers. So that will be the next group that I think will be more in line with what history has experienced with the baby boomers. That makes sense. Uh, and I think uh, those millennials are educated. Uh, some were not home buyers, but with the low interest rate and all, they understood now is the time to do something. So I think it brought a lot of them into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Speaking of buyers, the consumers knowing what's important to them at this time, Katie and I just did an episode evaluating the National Association of Realtors buyer and seller profile from okay. last year. Mm -hmm. And it went from one of the top priorities for home buyers was proximity to work. Whereas in 2021, it was proximity to friends and family. Right. Total shift in what was important to them. Uh, I think because COVID changed, I don't have to be right on top of my job. Mm -hmm. In fact, I can be distant and have my job. And I think uh, proximity to the family or maybe to recreation or whatever became much more important mm -hmm. than before. I think having the home office. Yes. So I think the demands in terms of what the public wants in housing took a drastic change uh, along with COVID. You said something in our sales, one of our sales meetings recently that really made a lot of sense to me that I had not thought about. Everyone is saying inventory is low. There are no houses to sell. But if you actually look at the numbers for our market anyway, more houses have actually sold, meaning yes. it's not that there is a lack of inventory per se compared to years past because we are having more closings. It's just that the demand for those homes is higher. Yes. That is exactly right. Um, I often tell agents, they'll say, oh, we don't have any listings. We have had more listings. I think statistically, if you go back and look at the board, we had more listings in 20 and 21 than we had prior to that time. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly right. We have more buyers. Mm -hmm. So that's what's uh, been the driving force that has caused such a, a crisis. I'll call it a crisis yes. in our industry because uh, I often tell agents, you're working in the hardest industry I've ever seen right now. Uh, having to deal with multiple contracts anywhere from three to 20 or more maybe is much more difficult than having a house, even if it sits for three months, six months or nine months. Mm -hmm. Working one contract is a lot easier than trying to make sure that you're covering all of your bases mm -hmm. and getting the best value for that house 
and fair value for that house mm -hmm. with so many factors coming into play. Yes, I mean, we're learning that it's not all about the price being no. offered. When we're evaluating these offers, looking at is there appraisal, I'm seeing appraisal gaps, escalation clauses, deposit waivers, right. um, no appraisal, total appraisal waivers. There's so many things that people are doing just to try to get the house. I have a program I use that anytime someone reaches out to me to buy or sell, I just put their name in this column, either the potential seller or potential buyer column. My potential seller column has never been so long because this market is making people go, should I sell my house? Yeah. Is now the time? Am I gonna get more money now than I ever will? Maybe I should look into selling. And I have done more market analysis for people who are very pleased with the final number, but then realize, oh, but we have nowhere to go. Right. That's the thing. I may get more from my house today, but I'm going to pay more for the next one that I'm going to buy. Yes. Uh, is it, it is it a good swap for me? You mm -hmm. know, uh, is that the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. It's even made me personally go, I mean, do we need to be thinking about living in one of our rental houses for a little <laughs> while and then buying in a few years? But again, if I have my crystal ball, I would know the answer of what to do. And I know that this is really unlike anything. Would you say this time is unlike anything you've been through? Totally unlike anything I've ever been through. And I don't think it's, um, I would not consider it what I, a normal recession. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different uh, animal, so to speak, of anything that we've ever dealt with before. For one thing, COVID happened so quickly and we were shut down so quickly. Whereas even in the 80s or even in the Great Recession, there were signals. Mm -hmm. You had a pretty good idea. Something was coming. Right. Uh, I'm not sure in December of 19 that any of us ever really could say, hey, come March the 15th, everything's going to close down. We're, we're going to be in our houses. No, I don't think any of us ever comprehended that. It wasn't even until May when I had been home with the kids for two months that I was going, wow, this is happening. Yes. This is real. It happened so quickly, just adjusting to figuring it out. What? So with where we are now, right now, if you get a listing, it's going to sell. If you have a buyer, it's going to take some time, but they will likely right. buy. Buyers seem to be very motivated. You're mm -hmm that you're not just casually looking in this market. And that's something I'm telling buyers right now. Anytime I have somebody that comes to me and says, I want to buy a house, first, a little piece of my heart kind of goes, oh, okay, here we go. You know, <laughs> let's get ready. And then I move into coaching and preparing them for what that means to be yeah. a buyer in this market in 2021, when people, you are going to have to be competing and there is no such thing as casually looking. You're either an aggressive, motivated buyer or you're not going to buy a house right now. Um, I'm not sure how long this will last, but I am a very conservative person. And one thing I've always admired about you is that I feel like we're kind of the same in that aspect. And I've shared the story on the podcast before of when I interviewed brokers, I interviewed three. And the first one was very rah, rah, the sky is the limit. You can make six figures in your first year. You can do whatever you put your mind to. Very exciting. And the second one told me, you know, we're just not the best with training. 
And then you told me, listen, you can do really well in this business, but it is, it's going to take time. It's going to take planning. Do you have money in your savings account? Are you married? Do you have anyone helping you financially? At a time when I was single and waiting tables and did not have a spouse, did not want to go to mom and dad for help, <laughs> I was like determined, but your advice is what made me shift how I was thinking about real estate to go, this is a real career that no one is paying me but myself. And if I wanna make this work, I need to figure out what, how much money do I need to survive on with where I am right now. And then that changed after I got married. And then that changed again after I had kids. But I feel like the reason I was able to make it is because I was mentally prepared for the hard things. And a lot of people aren't. That being said, do you, I mean, I know right now everyone is just reaping and sowing and the market is good. Agents are doing well. The ones that are full time and really committed. I know we don't have a crystal ball, mm -hmm. but what are you thinking about the future as a manager for the company? And what is the company thinking? Well, I tell agents right now, make hay while the sun shines. Yes. So that means the business is good. Get out there, work hard, uh, make the money, but I also say save your money. Yes. You know, uh, be prepared for what's going to happen. Historically, it tells us with the high inflation that we've got right now, the probability of a recession is very likely. Mm -hmm. I think a lot depends on what happens. And there's so many factors right now. First of all, back in the 80s, I'll go back to the 80s, when they raised the interest rate. Okay, to slow things down. To slow things down. It causes another issue. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think that's really unique right now is we've got really high inflation matching what took place 40 years ago, yes. yet we still have incredibly low interest rates. Yeah. Uh, how far can the interest rates be raised without really tipping the scales too much? I think that's yet to be determined. Mm -hmm. And I think in addition to that, unfortunately, there's a war going on. Right. So. All of these things are factor in to what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the best way to prepare is to get your own house in order in terms of finances. Yes. Um, if you're a little overboard on the debt, I would be working right now to try to reduce that debt. So I've got a little bit more liquidity. Mm -hmm. um, even if I don't have the money to invest, to know that I've got the money to take care of my family if things slow down a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, educate yourself. I'm a firm believer that you've got to spend on a dime and keep up with what's going on today. It doesn't make any difference how many years you've been in real estate, including myself. I am learning something new every day. I have had to change my direction many times in this office to keep up with what's going on. So uh, if the interest rates rise, do you understand what an adjustable rate mortgage is? Do you understand how an assumption works? Um, what are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? Agents need to be prepared to know how to do that. What will a discount point do mm -hmm. if the seller pays that? Where are things going to come in? And I think probably one of the most important things is when you're dealing in that kind of market before when they stay on the market six months, nine months, a year or whatever, mm -hmm. first agent isn't always the best agent. Right. Okay. And I think often that's because if we're dealing with those really high prices, are you willing to go in and take a house that's really overpriced? 
I think honesty is at the root of all of it. Uh, honesty and transparency. So if you're being honest with your seller, even if you don't get that listing, if the market switches and it takes a year, you may be the second or third listing but you, uh, agent, but you may wind up with it. Yeah, you may have dodged a bullet in the first yes. round. Uh, I will say that during recessions, if we do go that way, investors usually do really well mm -hmm. during a recession period. They are generally prepared with cash liquidity so they can go in and take advantage, hold the property, and when the market recovers, uh, make a profit. So uh, if people have investors, their investors probably already, if they've been investing for a while, they understand how the system works. Mm -hmm. But for new investors, they might want to start making sure that they have their resources available. Mm -hmm. Saving now to be ready. Saving now to be ready. Hmm. It's just all so interesting. I've never wished I could understand what was to come, but I think that what you said about being conservative when it is tempting, if you have a good savings to go do all these fun things, but yeah. we just don't know what is to come and making sure that you are keeping reserves on hand. Yeah. I think you always told me having at least six months of expenses in my savings account always just yep. to be sure if something happens and you sell less houses at least you you're not working working out of fear and working when you need the paycheck is the worst place to be working it is, from because it puts too much pressure on you which you in turn put pressure on that consumer mm -hmm. uh, for new agents i usually recommend a year of financial stability okay six months is doable uh, if someone comes to me with less than six months, my concern for them, I know how hard it is to save money. Uh, we've all been through those struggles, but I also realize how quickly it's gone in real estate. Six months of savings can be gone in three months. So fast. Uh, and then you don't have your business up and going and your reserves are gone. Mm -hmm. And then if you are planning well and saving and the recession isn't as violent as we think it is, you're just in a good position. You're just ahead of the game. In the past recessions, did you see an influx of agents leaving the business? Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, I often say the strong get stronger mm -hmm. and the others get out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a good purging process because of our industry and the way it is. It's easy to get into the, the money. It's not expensive to get into all of those things and it looks lucrative okay? right sometimes the people that aren't doing business it's not sometimes I'll, I'll just go ahead and say more often than not that's the most dangerous people in the industry mm -hmm. because they're not doing it every day they're they don't necessarily know how the transaction works or are they keeping up with everything so then when there are issues those are the agents of the company or the consumer that really gets hurt mm -hmm. uh so yes I do think it's a cleaning out process and I think it's good for the industry. Yeah, it's I really would agree good with for the that. Industry. We've said, um, you know, people get licensed quickly and then they come in and they mess up a few deals and hurt our reputation with the public and right. then they leave. And yeah. we're here to reclaim professionalism in our brand and try to put it back together. But it's the same way, even in the, with the builders, mm -hmm. uh, the good, strong builders, um, they will survive. Yes. They will survive. Um, it's the ones that are doing it on the side or trying to make extra money, that type of thing. They're the ones that really generally can't sustain to get through those hard times. And I just can't imagine the headache being worth it. 
Not for me. No, (laughs) no. After paying your dues and doing all of the things, it's just to be part time. It's just, uh, yeah. Kind of like when people say, how much would I have to pay you to do this job? You know, part time just isn't going to cut it with what you do with the work that we do put in. Um, I think we've covered the majority of the questions that I had. We went through the 80s, the 90s, the Great Recession. We talked about now thoughts on moving forward. Do you have anything you want to add? Uh, I think the main thing that I would want the agents out there that are listening to hear, particularly if they've not been through a recession, is that people buy and sell. Mm -hmm. Uh, The business is not going to totally go away. Okay. And I also want to say to the newer agents out there, just because you're new doesn't mean that you won't survive a recession. The people that survive are the ones that are disciplined, motivated, and that work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Put it in uh, the work. And I'll, I'll emphasize work because I think that the people that really do well in our industry, they work. Mm-hmm. Unlike what a lot of people think, sometimes it's not a 40-hour week. Maybe it's a 60-hour week. Maybe it's a 70-hour week. Mm-hmm. So I think those people are always going to survive. Uh, they're fearless. They know they can do it. And they, they move forward anyway. So whether you're experienced or new, I don't think just being a new agent is going to keep you from doing well. No, I, I agree. I like that. Well, we always like to end our episode with a toast, a shout out to someone that has either been a mentor to you in your real estate career or someone that you just couldn't live without in your real estate career. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do both. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Richard McClellan. Okay. Uh, Richard McClellan was my manager mentor when I started. And I'm going to tell you his uh, honesty, transparency, mentorship um, was very influential in directing and guiding my career to where I am now. Uh, In fact, uh, at Christmas time, I reached out to him just to leave a message to let him know how important he had been in my career. Yeah. So I would say from that standpoint, um, that would be the person that I think really gave me what I needed to move forward. Okay. As far as the one that keeps me in this business, it would be my husband. Okay. Uh, he has been supportive from the day I started. <laughs> uh, he is still supportive. And I, even though I am a very independent woman, trust me, <laughs> many conversations we have my thoughts are a result of conversations with him. Yes. And I think he continues to keep me strong and to move in the right direction. We refer to Connie's husband as Dan the man. Dan the man. <laughs> Dan comes to the real estate conferences and dinners and he's a trooper. He lets us stay at his house until midnight at the Christmas party, <laughs> offers to drive us home. He takes care of us. We love Dan the man. Thank you. Well, this has been a wonderful episode. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I've never done anything like this, so it was an experience for me. Well, you were a natural. Thank you. I appreciate you. you being here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye.